Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jake Croucher here with Drew Dinsick in an alternate location. We're going to do 40 minutes today on Yannick Sinner, who looked <laughs> amazing last night. Uh, we're going to talk a little Australian Open, and not just Yannick, uh, and then we're going to a uh, little touch on the NBA, but we're mostly going to focus on the NFL. We'll do some wrap-up thoughts on the four games, and then also Super Bowl MVP, and then our best bets of the weekend. But let's talk about the Australian Open, Drew. Big, uh, big happening uh, this morning. American time with Ooh. Daniel Medvedev getting done. I really yeah. thought Porter was going to blow it after he, uh, <laughs> he gave the break back in the third set. It looked like he's going to cough up the first set for a stretch as well. But Medvedev is out, and now the top half of the draw uh, all of a sudden looks a lot weaker. And uh, I don't understand why Sitsipas is a minus 200 favorite against my man who broke my heart in New York, Yannick Sinner. What do you make of that? What do you make of the just the, the happenings of the past 24 hours? Well, Sissipas Sinner is the match of the fourth round, and it's going to be one of the matches of the tournament. Um, you know, we're 24 hours off of the match of the tournament, which was uh, Murray Kokonakis, uh, which was incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a very, very good Australian Open from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, I think anyone that was somewhat new to tennis who's been watching this action so far is probably like, I'm in. Like, this is great. Like, I love this. Uh, and the, both men's and women's still absolutely competitive. Like, uh, you know, this was a runaway at the start for Djokovic, but injury has now kind of leveled him uh, to the degree where everybody feels like they have a chance. And Medvedev was especially disappointing last night because he came into that as a meaningful favorite. I did not give Korda much of a chance at all. I, I was eyeballing the plus money price on Medvedev in straight sets. I, I looked hard at the under, too, because I thought, oh, you know, this, 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 you know, this looks like easy work for Medvedev and he loses in straight sets. So um, the funny thing is like, if you had asked me before the tournament started, like, how do you feel like the American men are going to do? I'd be like, you know, I think a couple of guys could surprise and make a little Taylor bit of a Fritz. run here. Yeah. For Taylor Fritz. Surely. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I, I'll probably, you, you've been like, give me a couple of names. The guys I should, oh, Taylor Fritz for sure. Frank Francis Tiafo, give him, a, you know, keep, keep an eye on him. It would have probably taken me about six names to get to, to Seb, Seb Corda. Like I just, I didn't know he had this level. Like I didn't know he could, he could play this well against that, that degree of competition. And honestly, I don't even really think this was, a Medvedev collapse as much as it was Korda just finding like uh, you know a gear that uh, you know shows you that he's probably going to finish this year in sort of the top 20 top 10 range which is uh, pretty exciting for men's American tennis Um, and then you know the you know the the idea that Mackenzie McDonald would have the other 
major upset for the U.S. men beating Nadal. I would. I don't think I would have mentioned him among the guys in the U.S. You should watch. Of course, he's out to uh, Nishioka. But um, yeah, just overall an amazing tournament for the men. And I think we have to zero in on uh, Sinner Sissipas because the winner of that fourth round match is your finalist on the top half of the draw. Yeah, I don't think I, no one else has a chance. I Felix, you're no. riding off Felix. Whoever whoever comes through Sissipas Center, I make minus two hundred ish against Felix. Okay, yeah, I uh, I took a little hercax at uh, sixty to one outright after he won, just thinking that the the top of the draw is so bare um, outside of Sissipas and Sinner, and, and Felix would be in front of him as well. To me, there are four uh, matches that are going to define this tournament: one, Sissipas Center, which you touched on. Two, Djokovic and Rune are on a crash a collision course, and whoever wins that match is almost certainly going to be a finalist. Yes. Probably Sitsipas or Sinner. Then on the women's side, we've got Sviantek Rybakina, which is just absolutely magnificent. Oh what an absolute heavyweight between the two uh, recent slam winners. Well, they've got the past three slams between them. Uh, and then also uh, our girl, Arena Sabalenka. I think is still a bet at the uh, plus 600, plus 650 shears in the market. She's going to get Belinda Bencic most likely in the fourth round. And I suspect that the winner of that, I mean, Caroline Garcia will be heard from, but I suspect the winner of that may reach the final as well. So I think the best bet in the market at the moment, well, I would have said Yannick Sinner, who I backed at 15 to 1 last night, but if he's going to be plus 170 in the market against uh, Sitsipas, then you're probably just better off going money line by money line at that point. I would agree. Um, so there's that. And then I think Sabalenka um, at still at plus 600. And also taking a little Krejcikova again at 35 to 1 after how she looked. She looked phenomenal. Now yes. She's got a brutal, brutal draw in, uh, in Jess Pagula. But mm. uh, if she can get through that, then it opens up a little bit for her. And hopefully one of Rybakina or Goff can knock out Iga Sviantek, um, who outside of the French, I'm just going to continually fade uh, on every surface. She's just... <laughs> Can't have Igor Sviantek being plus 200 on hard court. Um, no, no, I, we agree 100%. I loved your breakdown. I love that you're into tennis and you, that was a very solid handicap. <laughs> well done, Jay. Um, yes. Your guy's center, like realistically, as Djokovic ages out of being the guy uh, at this tournament, center is the kind of rightful heir. Right. Like Alcaraz is the rightful heir to the French Open and US Open favorite status once Nadal is no longer in the picture. Sinner is the rightful heir for the Aussie Open in Wimbledon, in my mind, just considering what his like tool set is, what his skill set is, and just, you know, how like the level he can find when he needs it in these uh, best of five matches. Like the guy is amazing. And uh, I also, I agree with you. I'm shocked that Sinner is a dog here to Sissipas. Sissipas, of course, is playing phenomenal tennis, but like it's the same sort of thing as we saw with uh, Medvedev. Medvedev was, was superlative until he ran into a guy that had the answers, and Sinner, I think, has the answers to Sissipas. Sissipas, of course, he's shown us his best tennis when he had like a lot of help coaching, uh, and you know when he's out there on his own, if he's in his own head, like Sinner could absolutely get the better of him. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Sinner comes out of the top half of this draw here. I don't favor, I don't think anyone coming out of the first quarter a realistic chance in the semifinals. Uh, yeah, and on the women's side, the top half of the draw is much stronger than the bottom half right now. Much. I mean, the fourth quarter looked like it was going to be just as tough as the first quarter, but everybody has fallen out. Like, that is now Sabalink is to lose in my mind. I know your your, your point about 
uh, Benchich is is fair, but I, I just don't see her going toe to toe with the uh, as much power as Sabalenka brings to the table. So I think Sabalenka is in very good shape to go through to the final, uh, and I, hopefully at that point she's either taken on you know a battle weary um, you know Iga or uh, you know a potential Akrijakova or uh, you know someone who is uh, you know taking the better of her. I like Rob Rubakina tonight against Iga. I think that she has. I think she's live. I really do. Um, I think that's going to be an incredible match. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, th- I guess that's not tonight, that's tomorrow night, but that's, uh, that's the fourth round match that has me the most excited for sure on the women's side. Uh, the, uh, the third round matches on the bottom half of the draw are a little bit of a, a little bit of a snooze fest. There's a one fun one though, which is the very, very bottom of the draw. Uh, Linda Frutova versus Marketa uh-huh. Vondrusova. Uh, so Vondrusova, for those who don't know, was, she was like the original, check teen breakout like like back in 2017 people were like whoa this check teen is very very good uh she makes the win you know, the uh, what was it the, the uh, french open final loses to ash barty in 2019 as a teenager uh and then since then has kind of paved the road for a lot of up-and-coming young czech women and uh you know frutova is sort of the uh you know the class of the up-and-coming uh group uh but uh von Drusova, i think has the goods to uh, get the better of her so very fun watching that market push pull there's some you know heavy duty players on either side of that one i'm on the von Drusova side uh and uh very much looking forward to that one tonight yep no i that that's a fun one um von Drusova wobbled a little bit against Holmes, but then ultimately was able to get it done i think the way sabalenka is playing right now i think just every match is on her racket with the level that she's at maybe ego maybe rebacano they can get to that level to match it but she's gonna have to i think blow it uh and she's perfectly capable of doing that <laughs> um, but i think that this is this is her tournament um to to lose um if, if she wants it uh, yeah. so that's fun it's good to have tennis back drew after a little stretch. Uh, i got really into it in the back half of last year i can not uh not at your level but i can ask the right questions and then my, <laughs> my kind of my uh my process is i message you i message one other friend this, this seems off right and then all of a sudden we've loaded up on arena sabalet <laughs> uh, nothing better let's uh quickly before we talk nfl let's dive into a massive game in the nba last oh night. my it's god it was good season. Standards uh, felt like a playoff game. Boston, Golden State. Uh, I think you know as much as regular season games can be important, you know, mentally to get over the hurdle. Um, I just think back to in the last, particularly the last three games of the finals. Boston just, even though they were only you know three point dogs or whatever in these games, they just felt like they were drawing dead against the yeah. Warriors. It just felt like the Warriors had solved them. And then last night, Boston, you know, backs against the wall, looked like they were going to lose. They pull it out. They get hot from three late in overtime. Um, with Golden State changing a lot of things up, and we'll get into that. But overall, what did you make of the game? Great game. Uh, a very instructive, I thought. Um, Golden State makes some tweaks to their lineup, which we can. We can fairly criticize, well, why, why are you doing this? But they did it, which I think tells you that they were taking that game very seriously. Um, and, you know, overall, uh, they played well. Uh, and I think if they come out of that game with a better defensive performance and a win, then they probably just put that in their pocket and say, we got this when we need it in the playoffs, right? And we don't really see that level much more from them in the regular season. In the light of the loss and their current standings and their current kind of defensive form, I think they need to continue to press the button and work hard and really develop, you know, who they are as a core, what they want their identity to be. Because, uh, you know, right now, like 
you know, you said it before the show, they closed the six and a half point dogs to the Celtics. Like the idea that they are meaningfully, uh, you know, not as good as the Celtics right now should concern the, everybody in that core. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of inclined to see if they can find a defensive philosophy that works. I think they're going to be a decent bet to the unders in the next kind of, you know, next kind of stretch of games as they really try to hone their defense. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue to back the Warriors in the regular season here while I think they give effort and, you know, in an, in a, in an, on a mission to try to, uh, you know, sort of just fix things. Uh, and I don't know that I would have felt that way if they had gotten the win. And this is all because of a fluke three pointer that they just defended poorly where Jalen Brown, you know, ties it at the end of the game. Uh, otherwise they were the better team I thought all night. Yep. No, I agree. And I think, you know, we spoke about this before the show to me, like it's one regular season game. The result doesn't really matter that much. What matters to me is that the Celtics in the global market close six and a half point favorite against the full strength Golden State Warriors. Like those finals games were closing, what, three in Boston, three, three and a half, um, that type of range. And so now to get that and then Boston to to come through that, yeah, I think Boston are clearly the team to beat, I think. Uh, and they might be, at this point, probably tier one by themselves. Yeah, I think uh, that's until, true. Until proven yeah. otherwise. All right, we've got a quick question on sixth man of the year from Holt. You'll uh, see Kerr. <laughs> in the you it's an Australian. See Kerr said Paul is getting moved into the starting lineup last night. How is Westbrook still the favorite? I think the anti-Westbrook sentiment for six man of the year look he's like minus 250 in the market right now that's completely ridiculous but i think there is a thought that he's drawing dead he's not drawing dead if the lakers make the playoffs and russ is putting up his counting stats while also playing probably the best defense he has in years he's still important for that team russ is still he's a good player this year in terms of what he creates for others um obviously his shooting is a car crash um but outside of um, of that, which is important. But I do think that Russ will probably win this award if the Lakers make the playoffs. Now the Lakers are like plus 200 to make the playoffs, which <laughs> I think is, you know, that's like the, the shortest that Russ can be for six man. I probably think he's more like plus 300, plus 350. Yep. So given that there's a guy who should be plus 300, plus 350, who is minus 250 in the market, that creates um, value on others. And so there are a few guys floating around, but Drew, who do you think is... Um, who do you think is the best bet for six man at the moment? I am underwater in that market. I agree with everything you just said. I don't think I have a name that I really am feeling confident in. Um, I'm holding a, a decent ticket on Brogdon. I hope that he can somehow get back to the shooting we saw from him in the first couple of months, but that's really slipped lately and it was due to regress. And I'm mad at myself that I didn't see it, uh, you know, see that coming a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's a live long shot. I know you've got your, you know, your heart and dies, you know, for Oladipo. I think that's fun. Uh, but I don't know how likely it is. What's uh, uh, what is your current temperature on uh, on this one? Yeah, I think Brogdon. I think Brogdon only wins if everyone else falls down. Like he's averaging, okay. like he's going to finish averaging like thirteen points and three and a half assists. Everyone's healthy now. Uh, Derek White went to the bench as well, so now he's competing for bench minutes with Derek White, who they were playing more minutes than him anyway. Brogdon's averaging like 23 and a half minutes a game, that type of range. Like that's just not enough unless everyone falls over and the Celtics are the clear best team in the league, which they probably will be, but he still needs other guys to fall over. So I think that the winner is going to come from a group of, look, Brogdon's certainly live. I wouldn't be that interested at his current price. I think Norm Powell, some 15 to one out there on Norm Powell. If the Clippers surge, he is a, 
the same efficiency as Brogdon as a scorer, but it's going to have more volume. He's trending up as well. He's playing better and better. He's one to keep an eye on. And then the three longer shots uh, who I'd pay attention to, one Victor Oladipo who over the past 10 games has basically been 15, 5, and 4, efficient on a surging team, playing all defense level um, mm-hmm. on that end. So I think he is live. He's still 60 to 1 out there. That's too big. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, if the Hawks can make a run, I think that he will be in the mix. He's 40 to 1 range. And then Tyrese Maxey, who's starting to come off the bench now as a six man, he has got an uphill battle to qualify for the award. But if he qualifies, then he is very live and he'll have some narrative driving him. So I think that that's, that's probably the play at the moment. Okay. But uh, what do you think? If Tyrese Maxey wins an award, <laughs> it's going to be something. Um, I, yeah, that's a fantastic breakdown. I, I need to continue to think about it. I don't, I mean, I feel like that, that award might get decided in the last month, which is stupid, but you know, I think it still is, uh, is wide open and you're betting against Russ. I mean, the bet is just, if you could get plus 200 on field over Westbrook, like that's, an, yeah. that's, you just put that in your pocket and, uh, uh, and sit on it. So. Minus 350 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, quick, one kind of other awards question for you. Cause it came up at, in my mind as I was watching that game last night, let's assume that the Warriors try defensively for the next month and that they improve their defensive rating so that instead of like what bottom 10, they're like they're top 10. Yeah. Are we starting the narrative of Draymond green is really in contention for defensive player of the year? Like what has to happen for him to flip JJJ in that market? Looking now at their defensive rating, Golden State Warriors are 15th in defense, 113.2 D rating per NBA.com. The Grizzlies are 109.1. I think think JJJ should be minus 250 in this market. Uh, I just think that it is a ward to lose. Uh, He has to get – it's basically just bet on health and then no freak outliers coming. I do think the next two guys most likely to win – and probably the only guys I could possibly see overthrowing JJJ without an injury are Draymond and Bam. I think there is a decent chance that Draymond is going to be the most deserving candidate because, I mean, you look at like defensive EPM, like he is, mm-hmm. you know, he's behind JJJ, but he's within striking distance. Bam's yeah. defensive numbers are not great, but the team defense is good and getting better. They're sixth in defense right now, Miami. So, yeah, I think. I think Bam 20 to 1, Draymond 35 to 1. I think those are both good bets just because JJJ, he can't be minus 1,000 in the market yeah. with too much season yeah. left. So I think those are the two guys who can who can get. Um, Jaron, I'm not interested in Nick Claxton at all. He's not <laughs> of no, no. Lopez, no. I think, is drawing yeah. dead at this yep. point. Um, I agree. Giannis, I think, is probably more likely to win than Brook Lopez just because he has more of a ceiling but I don't think that he's going to win either. So I think Draymond and Bam, um, those are the bets, but I think JJJ is also the bet. Um, <laughs> to war with. I'm going to take right. some long shot prices on Draymond. I, I yeah. just, cause again, like you can kind of, I feel like the narrative is going to come, especially if they are trying now, right? Like yeah. if they, I, and it was funny is if they win that game last night, I'm probably not making this case at all because I'm literally like, well, they're just not going to try defensively uh, until they have to. And, and now I feel like they actually have to try. Yeah, I think, yeah. And people, if Draymond is close, then he will get the bump from last year. He should have won the award um, had he stayed healthy. So that will certainly be um, a tiebreak of sorts. But yeah, they've uh, they've definitely got some work to do. That team defense needs to get into the top seven at least for him to have any chance. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my state farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Let's uh let's quickly talk these NFC games, Giants, Eagles, and Cowboys, Niners, both favorites affirming. Eagles up to minus eight, total 48, 49ers go from three and a half to four point favorites, total is 46 and a half. Any of these movements uh, stand out to you, Drew? Any interest in uh in the Giants or Cowboys as our fading underdogs? Uh, I'm losing interest in the underdogs uh, in the NFC, surely, uh, particularly in that uh, Giants-Eagles uh, game. And we'll get to that at some point here. Um, I'm actually surprised. You, could, you felt that the kind of there was a little bit of a nudge and a little bit of a market momentum for the Eagles yesterday that was pushing that out largely on the basis of positive injury news that they've, they've been continuing to compile throughout the week. And um, I think that could close eight. Uh, I think it could go eight and a half realistically. Like I, the Eagles look like the right side in that one to me now. Um, Cowboys, I'm less confident in just because I, I, the, I'm starting to become more concerned about Dak 
being under pressure in this game. Um, you know, his splits when he's under pressure versus, uh, you know, when he has a clean pocket to work with and, or he's, you know, in design rollouts, like it, it's, he's Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and if the Cowboys offensive line doesn't show up and Nick Bosa is in his lap all day, then, you know, the Cowboys could absolutely, um, you know, take themselves out of contention here. So I'm, I'm cool, cool, cool right now on both of the dogs and the NFC. Um, the market move that is surprising me the most is, and I think you know where I'm going to say it here, who in the world is piling in on the over for Bill's Bengals? Um, the weather looks atrocious. Uh, the, both teams have huge question marks about the way that their offenses are going to be successful in the matchups. I don't think favor either of these offenses. And I know that like there's a pretty solid anchor point because it's not that many weeks ago that a market closed between these two teams and not that has changed in terms of player availability outside of the offensive line for the Bengals. But, you know, it's going to be freezing rain all day on, on Sunday in Buffalo. Uh, you could even have wind potentially in this one. So it's, I, I, I'm not sure I see uh, a clean offensive game where this is threatening 50 points. Uh, and yet it is uh, getting bet up as we close into the, yeah, as we come into the close here. Yeah, I don't really understand that either. Uh, we talked early in the week about how you know, 50 and a half was the opener. That seemed way too high. And then it got bashed into 48 and based mainly off the weather. Um, but then also, um, I think the market just correcting itself off of a bit of a suspect opener, mainly around Cincy's O-line injuries. The total went down as the Bills got progressively more favored. So, yeah, I don't really understand it either. I think five and a half as well is starting to get a little bit rich yeah. on the Bills. Um, the Bengals would be my play there. Uh, I'm feeling better and better about the Chiefs covering eight and a half. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And I know it's not to our interest. Well, I got a lot of Chiefs Super Bowl tickets, um, but the Jags winning the AFC would be everything. I just think it's going to happen. Um, I don't. Here's the, what, what is the track record of like, Mahomes against the past defense this bad in Arrowhead? I think that's the thing with the Jags is that it's been disguised a little bit the past two weeks. They're secondary going up against yeah. Josh Dobbs and then Joe Lombardi and not Mike Williams. I think that yeah. is probably um, papered over some of the cracks. I think back to how um, just Detroit did whatever they wanted against yeah. the direct secondary. The Cowboys as well, even with Dak throwing picks, um, they still did whatever they wanted against the Jags defense. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to lean blowout here. What do you think? I am holding out the slimmest of hopes here. Um <laughs> And again, like, I don't think taking the points makes sense with the Jaguars. Like, they either keep this game close and have a shot to win, at which point give me plus 350 all day long, or they get blown out. Like, those are kind of the more likely outcomes to me uh, than a game where the Jaguars are plucky and they're hanging in there and they, you know, come through the back door and make it a seven-point game, right? Like, the, the at current price, I'm not really interested in taking points. Um, I think... Your points about the Jaguars' pass defense are extremely valid. They're not good. <laughs> they have one good cover. <laughs> they have one good corner. But like you look at what the Chiefs are the like, the way the Chiefs are constructed right now, and the way they're operating, and the players they have at you know the wide receiver position. Like I'm not really that scared of Marquez Valdez Scantling and J- Juju Smith Schuster out there running amok. Um, like they're not going to hit home runs on us. I don't think uh, it's more about what does Travis Kelsey do? Can you get off the field on third down? 
or is this just a, you know, like the defense is out there just bleeding out all game. Um, so it's, you know, I, I'm hope I, and also by the way, like all the way down the stretch, the chiefs tried to get their running game going. They played a bunch of teams that are bad against the run and really leaned into it. Like they tried to make Isaiah Pacheco happen so badly and they just couldn't make it happen. And, you know, Jarek McKinnon is their best option in the backfield and he's their best option in the passing game out of the backfield, not even handing him the ball. Um, and, you know, if they've done a decent amount of self-evaluation in the bye week and they're coming in with the razor sharp offensive approach where it's a lot of Kelsey, a lot of McKinnon, uh, McKinnon um, you know, in the passing game and then, you know, just kind of bleeding the, the Jags with the, you know, short stuff to Schuster and short stuff to, um, you know, Merkle Hardman, I guess, is in Kadarius Tony. Let let them get yak uh, in this game. Then, um, you know, it could it could get ugly. But uh, you know, I, I I'm not like especially scared of this unit, uh, and maybe that's uh, that's where I'm missing the handicap in some way. Yeah, I, I think Mahomes is just at the level where it's just um, he's just receiver proof. Just doesn't matter <laughs> so long as he's got Kelsey in an offensive line. Um, doesn't really matter. You put the Sean Jackson, Sammy Watkins out there. I think it'd be the same results at this point. Uh, I just think he's that much better than everyone else. I like that you're now using um, personal pronouns <laughs> around the Jags. <laughs> don't, don't think Marcus Valdez Scantling is going to get deep on us. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> All in Jags. All right, you're on your own. I'm a Mahomes fan now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college basketball, the Premier League, and the divisional round, including a shot at $100,000 by guessing the outcome between the Jags and Chiefs. Chiefs will win. That's the outcome. All right, we're going to help you with one of those questions. The first question you will see in the contest, Drew, how many passing yards for Patrick Mahomes? Okay, if uh, if the Jaguars win, I'm going to be insufferable on Monday. So just uh, just a little heads up there. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be bad. It's going to be a rough show. Um, but uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is not going to uh, not going to turtle in this game. This is going to be an impressive performance from him. Honestly, the, any any confidence in the Jags is that they're going to win like thirty through thirty, right? Like not not that this is going to be uh, the type of game that you saw in the AFC Championship last year, where Mahomes and company came out in the second half and just laid an egg. So I'm going to go Mahomes in the highest band, three sixty plus. Um, you know, he's capable of putting up four hundred on a defense like this. And as as we talked about, he's uh, he's the guy right now. Yep, I'm with you. I'm taking 360-plus as well. That pass defense has no answer. And the run defense is good, so I think the Chiefs may abandon the run. Mahomes, 360-plus. All right, favorite bets of the weekend, Drew. Outside of Jags, alternate spread, minus 19.5. What uh, what else do you got? (laughs) I'm going to go with uh, the Eagles. Honestly, I look for an Eagles alternate spread, minus 19.5, if we're we're being serious. the Eagles to me are set up well to cover this number because their ability to put this game away in the second half with the lead looks like the least likely outcome is a comeback here for the the Giants. I give the Giants low probability of coming through the back door here uh, in the game where I think they realistically like if the Eagles take a three to seven point lead into halftime of this game, 
like the Giants should have a time of possession in the second half in the in the ballpark of under 10 minutes. Like really and truly, the Eagles should be able to do whatever they want on the ground against this weak linebacking core, the weak run defense that the Giants bring to the table. The week 14 matchup that we saw between these guys was so one sided in terms of Philadelphia being able to get anything they needed to get on the ground uh, that I think they can take a lot of positives away from that and bring them into, you know, bring some new wrinkles even into this game uh, and make the Giants, uh, you know, defense you know just spend 30 35 minutes on the field um you know on on sunday and this is a this is an opportunity i think for you know people to kind of um catch a little bit of a, a buy low on the eagles uh they didn't play great down the stretch largely because of the injury to hurts and some of the other key players but all of those guys are back uh by you know people you know little birds chirping are saying that uh, hurts has looked you know quietly looked good in some of the closed sessions so uh, I believe he's, uh, you know, relatively right here. And I think he gets uh, the monkey off his back, gets his first playoff win and does it in style. So Eagles minus the points, favorite play of the week for me. Yep. That's my favorite spread as well on the board. I think this is going to be a blowout. I think you, you nailed it that the Giants run defense, that's their defense overall has gotten better, but it's been through the past defense. So Dory Jackson back is big there, but I mean, there's something here banged up as well. Moreau, second corner, um, yeah. Ojalari as well, who's important mm-hmm. on that defensive line. They're both will probably play, but they're going to be a little limited, I think. And yeah, I think the Eagles are just going to do whatever they want on the ground. All right, I'm going to the prop world, my favorite prop of the week, bouncing back after DK Metcalf. I took the under and he doubled his line. <laughs> and uh, no more unders, no more of the under business. And now that business, packed up shop. Go on the overs, Jamar Chase over 82 and a half receiving yards against the Bills. It's already up to 85 and a half on points bet. Jamar Chase, past five games, averaging almost 13 targets per game. And what I like about this is that he produced against the Ravens and he did it without needing a single 20 yard plus catch. He's shown that he's diversified his game where he can work more on the short intermediate stuff, basically a possession receiver against the Ravens. So he has that element to his game. I think that the Bengals will, uh, I think that they will be trailing in this game and that the, and they'll need to be throwing. And I think that with the Bills, they're banged up secondary. I mean, they're down Micah Hyde. They're down Damar Hamlin. John Poyer's playing hurt. He's not himself. I think that there is the huge potential for a big play. And even if not, I think the chase can get there just on the volume of targets. Actually, yeah. this line is bouncing around now. It's now at, uh, over 80 and a half. The over is juice. So certainly like that uh, on points bet. Uh, so Jamar Chase going over. All right, before we close out let's talk uh super bowl mvp quickly um market has updated a little bit brock purdy's plus 750 which i don't really understand uh wouldn't be touching that Mahomes still the favorite plus 350 then josh allen uh jalen hurts anyone since we last spoke about this market who leaps out to you hurts is inching in uh he was seven to one last time we talked he's six to one now i like that I think that's the correct directionality for him. Um, the the makeup award for him not getting consideration for MVP is getting the Super Bowl MVP uh, if the Eagles win. Uh, and I think that makes him kind of the lion's share expected winner if the Eagles do win. Um, and then on top of that, the um, the idea of the Eagles being dogs to the likes of the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals 
you know, I think when an underdog wins the Super Bowl, the under, you know, the, the quarterback for the uh, for the team is usually kind of given the credit for that. So uh, all for all those reasons, I, I think Hertz is the uh, the clear look on the board at even at six to one. I think that's still value. I thought you were going to say Christian Kirk, 250 to 1. So you're going to go on on that. <laughs> Maybe from Travis Etienne, 250 to 1. Um, uh, yeah, I'm with you on Hurts. I think, look, most of the time, the way to look through this market is usually quarterbacks don't get enough equity, um, mm-hmm. even though it looks like a lot of equity, like 70, 75%. I think is usually too low, um, particularly for for high octane offenses. Like I think Patrick Mahomes in this market just should be ninety to ninety five percent of Kansas City's Super Bowl um, win equity every single season that he's in the mix, which is probably going to be every single season um, <laughs> that he's in the league for the foreseeable. In terms of the long shots, um, the only one who's North of a hundred to one, who interests me is George Kittle, um, mm. just because that is that is the one team where the quarterback equity should not be above seventy percent because yeah. Brock Purdy um, is not in the same class as Patrick Mahomes and Josh <laughs> Allen, etc. So I think the Kittle, just with his touchdown potential, the fact that he's had three games with Purdy where he's had multiple touchdowns, uh, I think that that makes him him live. He also has the pedigree, and so you're looking at probably. You probably need two touchdowns and 80-plus yards and Purdy to throw a pick in a Niners win, and that might be enough to to get you there. He's probably the long shot that, that appeals the most. What do you think of Kittle? I dig that. Um, you make a joke about Christian Kirk, 251. What's the best price you have in, uh, in your pocket for the Jags Super Bowl? <laughs> Uh, I have some. I think I have some sixty to one AFC, sixty seventy to one AFC. I didn't go. I didn't go all into uh, just AFC. Funny, I've got sixty to one AFC. I don't feel good about it at all. <laughs> it's ten to one in the market, man. What do you mean? Nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's uh, five hundred to one in my heart. <laughs> um, just, uh, but look, I uh, I got a lot of Chiefs Super Bowl, so at least um, okay. there's, a, there's a hedge there that is yeah. uh, naturally been. You're gonna have you're gonna have one of the two participants in the AFC Championship game, so that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if the Jags beat the Chiefs, I'm gonna feel terrible against about the Jags against the Bills, and uh, we'll do this oh. all over again. Oh, no. um, Talk about a nobody believes in a spot, Jay. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. nobody, nobody believes in us, Jay. Yeah, nobody <laughs> believes in us. Yeah, no, it's uh, the great spot for the Jags to. Uh, your jags to the <laughs> all right don't forget to check out nbcsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks for those watching on the nbc sports youtube channel and if you're listening to us in podcast form don't forget to subscribe and rate us go chiefs go jags go yannick sinner go arena sabalenka uh, yes. and have a good weekend uh good luck on all your bets from jay croucher and drew dinsick we'll see you on monday Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow & Grow. 
Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now he's rolling in the green. Like a... Like a good neighbor? Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor? State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.